605-360-5958. Welcome to Inspiring You for Success, your ultimate guide to unlocking your full potential. Get ready to embark on a journey of empowerment as we count down to the start of today's episode. And now, please join us in welcoming your hosts, Gabe Iltz and Jacob Lyons. These visionary minds are here to guide you towards achieving the success you deserve. Gabe Iltz, a seasoned expert in personal development, and Jacob Lyons, a dynamic co-host with a passion for self-discovery, are here to inspire, motivate, and empower you. Together, they'll explore the uncharted territory of unleashing potential, sharing actionable steps and game-changing insights. As we near the start of the episode, get ready to dive deep into the world of personal growth, self-belief, and the fascinating role of AI in unlocking your potential. 1098 so stay tuned dear listeners your journey to success begins in three two one now hello everyone gabe here with inspiring you for success the podcast i am joined here with the one and only jacob and this episode is episode eight productivity hacks for success sharing practical tips and techniques to boost productivity manage time effectively and accomplish more in less time Hmm. We already talk. got our sped of a cat running around here. <laughs> so you were saying uh, um, just before we started recording something about something Jeff Bezos said. Oh, yes, I was. So um, when it comes to these productivity hacks for success, it was actually Jeff Bezos that said, uh, if you want something done efficiently, mm -hmm. hire someone lazy. Hmm. And in that video... Uh, there was a guy that was having uh, sacks of something, you know, kind of fall off the conveyor onto his shoulder and he would just pivot his shoulder and do a little motion and drop it right where he needed instead of grabbing, you know, moving. He would just pivot his shoulder all day. Hmm. And, you know, instead of grabbing like this motion, uh -huh. it's not as quick as just this. As right. I'm doing it. And that's something that knocked a couple of seconds off of him, made him more efficient, hmm. you know? And that's something that I would have never have actually thought of. But Jeff Bezos was like, yeah, if you want something done quick and efficient, mm -hmm. hire someone lazy. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean, though, hiring that lazy person is going to get the job done right. You got to find the right role for that lazy person. Right, right. So have you ever, have you ever, like, can you give me any, uh, time that you did something like this or you found like oh you know what i really don't want to go through all this work and uh, i'll just find a simple okay. solution so um not something that i personally do mm -hmm. but in the fiber industry mm -hmm. there's guys that are really good there's guys that are absolute garbage mm -hmm. i happen to be one of those really good guys or i would like to think that i am one of those really good guys i've always been told my work is phenomenal right but for the I shouldn't say select few because it's not a select few. <laughs> uh, there's actually quite a bit of people that cannot do stuff correctly. And there's no real standards in the fiber industry at all. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to us putting together some of these enclosures, one of the enclosures we do is a B-can or a D-can. And when it comes to grounding a decan, we got to split open the main line. Kind of, you have, kind of looks like alligator, you know, 
clamp. We'll clamp that onto the sleeving and the metal jacketing of the fiber for grounding mm-hmm. and uh, tape that all up and ground it into the decan. Mm. Now, uh, when it comes to putting drops into these decans, uh, there's a couple ways that you can do it. There's the actual fittings. I wish I could run outside and actually show you guys how to do all this. Because this is in a fiber lesson. Uh, This is a productivity lesson. But uh, some of the stuff that I see in, there's actual drop kits. Mm-hmm. in order to put a drop inside of these enclosures. But I've seen people take them straight into the enclosure, go straight into the basket and zip tie it to the basket. And that is not how you're supposed to do it. Uh, for anyone that is listening or watching and knows anything about the fiber industry, they will know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't imagine you do without an actual visual <laughs> repentant our visualization i actually don't think i have a b or d can on me right now to even show you either unfortunately it'll, it'll be a future uh yeah endeavor. maybe that's something i do in the future you know i got yeah. mainline cable so i can do it uh but it's just one of those things that to some employees you know it's easier to do it that way mm-hmm. uh it takes less time it's more efficient for them it might not be the right way Mm-hmm. But it's also not really the wrong way mm. because how they do it, they still felt it. They still zip tie it into the basket. It's not the way I would take the approach of doing it, mm-hmm. but uh, they still make sure that um, they actually have it where it's not going to be pulled out of the enclosure mm-hmm. in that sense. Uh, drop kit is more secure. You got actual... Uh, what's the word um actually like support holders and all that acorn nuts to hold it and all Mm -hmm. that but uh it's not the right way but it's also not a wrong way Mm -hmm. if you don't have the parts that's the best way to do it to be honest with you but it's also the lazy way of doing it if you do it consistently without our even though you have the parts to do it the right way Hmm. that kind of makes me think there's some people who will find a solution that's like a lazy way that gets it done, but it's very, and it might be efficient, mediocre. but it's like, yeah, very mediocre. And there's other people who are quotes to quotes lazy, but they find a way of doing it. That's not just only efficient, but it's safe and yeah. it's what should be done. Yeah. What do you, what values do you think somebody has between look, the difference in values between those two people? So the difference in values would be, uh, to put this in perspective, uh, one of the guys I work with, he says, smooth is efficient, efficient is fast. Mm. And I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. But one of the other guys I work with is go, go, go. So they both have, you know, similar amount of experience. You put them next to each other. They can complete the same amount of work in the same time. Mm-hmm. But... One's going to look better than the other when it comes down to the end of the day when it comes to their work. And I bet you the the uh, one who's you know says it's going to be smooth, they're less, they're they're more uh, at the end of the day, they're they're not like oh I'm so tired and exhausted versus the person that's go 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 at the end of the day they're probably you know they're... you know what they're both energy wise would be still the same. They're gonna really? you know go out to the bar, have a few drinks after work, you know and 
go to bed at a decent time. Usually around like eight o'clock they're in bed. Wow. You know? Okay. And that's because they set themselves on a schedule, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh the smoothest quick or the smoothest efficient and efficient is or wow. Smooth is fast and fast is efficient. Mm-hmm. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Miss Phoebe had her uh, head in our uh, camera stand uh, <laughs> bag there, and that was hilarious to watch. <laughs> I told you she was being a sped. But the guy that says the smooth is efficient and efficient, or smooth is fast and fast is efficient, um, his work is always going to be the better looking work. Uh, because he did figure out a system where he may not look like he is moving very fast, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, he is one of the most efficient guys mm. because he's got that process down. Okay. Versus um, one of the things, too, um, when it comes to productivity in my industry, uh, one of the guys, the smoothest, efficient, and the efficient is quick guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I'm not using names, uh, just because it's my W2 employer, but that guy, he will tell you, you know, um, when you're prepping out, lay all the parts out that you're going to need. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy is always working in a trailer or in the back of the van, you know, uh, and in those circumstances, it works. But I had another guy that follows the smoothest, efficient, and efficientest quick guy uh, and actually learned everything from him. One day he came up to me. He's like, hey, why aren't you uh, prepping out all your parts? You know, have them sitting out in front of you. The parts for these enclosures that we get are nicely divided up into nice bags, you know. So when I put that bag in front of me, I know where those parts are. Mm -hmm. I don't have to cut them open. or All I have to do is cut them open, grab the part. Mm-hmm. Right. Most of the time when I'm working, I'm on a in a tent on a table. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I'm on that table working, moving stuff around, where are those parts going to go? Mm-hmm. They're going to go to the ground. I'm not going to be able to find them, you know. Right. That ruins my efficiency. And he's like, well, if you already have them out, you know, they're very, you can just grab them. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I see that. But I'm watching him, one of his a couple weeks down the road, you know, he's in his trailer and that he has all his parts in front of him, you know, mm-hmm. and I still see him looking around grabbing parts. I'm like, Hey, look at you. You're mm-hmm. looking around, still scrambling and grab these parts that are already out on your table mm-hmm. versus when I read for them, they're right there. Okay. So yeah. it comes to how you look at things too. Mm-hmm that enhances some of these productivity things. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the ability to say, in my circumstance, this is wiser versus in your circumstance, I'm still seeing you struggling, you're in a hurry, you're trying to look for parts that are right in front of you versus when I know the parts are in front of me, they're in a bag not going anywhere. So I can just got it. Right, right. And it seems that um, one thing you have to understand is that Productivity is the product of problem solving. You know, yep. it's not, it's people look at it as, as though it's this thing of its own in a way. Yeah. And it's like you have to, you know, you're going to be productive by solving a problem first, and then you're going to be more and more productive. Well, I think there's a little bit more into productivity than just a problem, though. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I say productivity, I think of quite a few things. I think of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I t- think of experience. You know, all of that stems from uh, productivity. Without productivity, you don't get that experience. Mm-hmm. You don't get that um Wow, I forgot the two other examples I literally just said. <laughs> hey, it and happens sometimes. I don't know why, but productivity is has more roles in success than a lot of people think of. It's not just how efficient you can do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, you got to sometimes be able to go into a problem-solving mindset or Mm -hmm. troubleshooting mindset, you know? Mm -hmm. When I'm out there building these entire uh, fiber optic uh, networks, Mm -hmm. sometimes the cables are busted somewhere and we go into troubleshooting mode. Uh, If we don't have an OTDR, we got to literally follow the light and figure out where the light stops. And then from there, we got to figure out where in that section that we discovered the light stopped is the break. Mm. So it just depends on uh, equipment is a huge thing in productivity too. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, I mentioned an OTDR, that basically is something that it will send a couple pulse of lights down the line mm-hmm. to measure how long it takes to come back. So it, think of it like an x-ray almost, you know, oh. in your industry, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Okay. Um, in your industry, can you relate anything productivity? I know it might be a little bit hard because you're more healthcare, but I'm sure you can relate something. Oh, oh there, there for sure is. Yeah. So um, the one thing I was, I was thinking through this as you were giving the examples, like where can I, can I do productivity? Um, I, when I'm scanning a, the, the middle of somebody's back is the thoracic spine. Okay. Um, a lot of people will set up and we're, we're kind of supposed to set up individual slices through the disc spaces of the spine. Okay. And, um, I noticed that I will, I will speed up the scans like just prior to doing these certain ones. And I was like, well, I was, I would sit there and I would set them up individually and the patient would just be waiting for me to, to run it. It was more time efficient to just run a block through the entire thing. And so that's hmm. what I do personally. Um, and it's more time efficient and they never have to get called back because you never miss anything. It's the entire thing's there. So hmm. it's both efficient and in my opinion, it's it's better because you never miss anything. So what you're saying is you basically like prep everything out basically oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. beforehand, do it all in one sweep. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I like and- that. I was going to say the, the one thing you, you notice in, in what I do is that sometimes it's more efficient to go faster because the patient might move. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times it's more efficient to go slower so you get better quality images and you have to constantly make the decision, do I want images now because they might move or do I want to take my time because they're not going to move and it's always a, it's always a guessing game. You, yeah. never, you never really know and um, you, know, you, you do what you can. And uh, like- there's, a, there's a saying someone said, um, you do your best. No, you do what you can. You do your best, and you don't worry about the rest. And that's what the motto of, of one of the the guys pretty much there is. He does that. But that kind of was making me think of because I was thinking of this line in my head, and um, it was I think it was Andrew Tate that was talking about this, and he was oh, like, yeah. if the lie is 
everyone says, oh, you know, I did my best. I did my best. I, I can't really can't really do any more. I tried. And it's like, if you really did your best, you'd be winning. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's bottom line. You know, if you if you aren't doing your best, but you tell you tell yourself that you are, you're lying to yourself, and it's you know you're that, that's or, hurting you even more. I'm gonna disagree with Andrew Tate a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you're doing your best and you're not currently winning, mm-hmm. could it just be you're on your way to winning? That's there true. Is a huge gap in that. Or my uh, my other thought on it was is. Or you're you're doing your your best, but you can be super super efficient. Like, oh, think of a bike when you're on the lowest gear and you're pedaling and pedaling and pedaling okay, and pedaling, yep. and then you gear up. And the less you pedal, the more you move, right? And but it also gets harder right. as you are pedaling. Exactly. Some people are stuck on that first gear, but they don't know how to level up. You know, they don't know yeah. how to to get better at whatever it is that they're doing, or or more efficient, I should say, okay. because that's I mean that's efficiency. Productivity hacks, since we're on the topic of this, uh, we haven't been doing it, but when we were doing notes, Mm -hmm. we would use AI to kind of assist us with it. AI is a huge productivity hack for some people in some industries. Uh, We just found that it's better for us to just bounce off with each other at this point, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of having actual notes and stuff. Uh, But AI can be a huge assistant when it comes to productivity and stuff, uh, you can have AI do your scheduling, which is a huge thing in productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys heard me say it before. I'm a W2 employee while I operate two businesses. I got to have a schedule and it's a strict schedule mm-hmm. that I have in order to do all of this that I am doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think uh, I'm not only just a W2 employee. I'm not just a business of two. I'm also a full-time father, full-time husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't really consider those jobs their responsibilities. They're, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's my uh, promise that I made saying my vows you know Mm -hmm. that i was gonna do Mm -hmm. uh but you gotta think i have to have some kind of strict scheduling in order to be able to do all this which is another reason why we kind of postponed quite a bit and Mm -hmm. doing a little bit of shifting and at night is when we started recording Mm -hmm. just because we don't want the interruptions except Uh, for the cat yeah (laughs) kitty cat's the only interruption which she's sitting in the window here you can kind of you know, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just was thinking about something when it comes to product productivity. Okay. So um, I used to play piano and violin. Okay. And I didn't really like violin. And because I didn't like the music I was playing. I'm fascinated and by the violin. I don't know why. It's, it is pretty cool, you know, and, and I admit there was a couple times that, you know, I enjoyed it. But my point in bringing this up is I really enjoyed piano and I excelled in that because I enjoyed it. Because yep. I enjoyed it, I went and I wanted to practice. I wanted to play the song, right. and because of that, I got better at it and better at it over the years. Um, whereas went to the violin, I stopped doing it altogether because it was the opposite. And when it comes to what you're, you know, what you're doing, your your business or whatever it is, if you don't love it, it's not going to grow in your mind. It's not going to grow physically because you know, you know what I mean. Like you have to love what it is that you're doing. I 100% agree with that. 
you really do. Uh, now I kind of lost my train of thought here when it came to uh, where I was in the story or talking about, but you brought up a great point there. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any other kind of inputs you would like to put in there or anything? Or um, I was kind of this is this is way off topic. So okay, we're getting we're getting off topic for a second. I wanted to, to kind of talk about the really negative stigma around content creation. Okay. Because like you, somebody says, oh, I'm a content creator. I have like, I see so many people are like, oh, you're a content creator. You know, you're one of those crazy people or like, I, there's just such a negative stigma around it. There have really you is. That? And uh, a lot of it is, I know that. Some of the content creators that I watch, even though I am an actual content creator, some mm -hmm. of the content creators that I watch, I wish that I could get to their level. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying, I wish I could get to their level, it should be, how can I get to their level? Exactly. Yes. Uh, and that's a huge thing, too, when it comes to productivity mindset or hacks, too. Mm -hmm. If you're saying, how could I or... Uh, I wish mm -hmm. versus saying how could mm -hmm. that right there questioning things is gonna be more add more productivity into it you know uh -huh. uh, if you're questioning how to do something you're gonna figure out how it happened you know mm -hmm. um, one of the shows that I just recently started watching and I'm mad because I watched the first two seasons already mm -hmm. and season three is about to be released uh, it's called the mystery at blind frog uh, ranch and I'm actually going to show you this oh. it's really good um, right here. The oops. I was going to say while you're saying that um, that question of uh why or you you were saying uh why can't i or, or why i wish no i wish i was at that level of how these other content creators are and that question actually led me to realize that some of the things i was trying to get into was really saturated okay um for example i was going to start and you know you know who knows what the future holds table. i still i still might eventually but i was going to start a nope. um phoebe like a, a um, you gotta get down. Video, uh, videos for like when you go to sleep. Yeah. Um, like like rain videos and 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 uh, stuff like that. And yep. I realized doing a couple of searches that the the market was so saturated for it. And an, a couple of people who I had seen were like starting out and trying were getting nothing be just because of the sheer volume of the amount of people like just doing that same thing. And so you need to get off our table. You know better, Phoebe. Sometimes I want to say that productivity also means being smart. You yes. Know, if, if, if you see, like, I seen the market was saturated, it's like, you know what? That's probably not going to be my best option. I'm going to try something else, something mm -hmm. that's not. I mean, I, I think that's, that's, that's pretty productive because I, I didn't waste months and months and months and months trying to get into something that, you know, eventually still I might, I might, but, um, something would be more efficient i'm getting into okay so the reason why i wanted to talk about the mystery at blind frog ranch is because the productivity in the first two seasons that mm -hmm. i watched was mm -hmm. amazing so a little description about the blind frog ranch it's over in utah 
20 miles from Skinwalker Ranch. Is That rings a bell too. Skinwalker Ranch is... You know what a Skinwalker is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's literally 20 miles from Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, the story goes that over 500 years ago, um, starts with an A, uh, kind of like the Egyptians. Uh, ah, Aztec. There we go. The Aztecs uh, found seven caverns, right? Hmm. And in those seven caverns, there is buried treasure from the Aztecs, right? Oh, wow. And within the first episode, they found one of the caverns. They drilled into it, and uh, hundreds of blind frogs come hopping out of that. Well, like it was cursed or something, or just wait. Mm. They left and came back the next day. You see this here? Mm-hmm. Settlement filled that hole that they drilled. Yeah, kind of sounds like what you were saying. It's cursed, right? Uh huh. You got to think though. What were Aztecs really good at? Booby traps, especially underwater booby traps. That that sounds like that one uh, Oak Island. You yeah, ever watch that seen one? It. I've been looking for another show kind of like this because I like this show so much. Uh-huh. And I thought this was going to be kind of like Bering Sea Gold or Gold Rush or something. Mm-hmm. No. It's hmm. so much better. Hmm. And I recommend you guys go watch it. Um, but basically, they after that filled up, they dug a hole or opened it back up again, right? Uh-huh. And actually sent a guy down there. It was actually the guy's son that they sent down there and discovered a wooden box with ores in it. Ooh. Or ores, rocks, ignites, ignites, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to get a sample from that box, you know? So they drilled into the wood, pulled a sample from the wood, you know? Mm-hmm. They determined that that box has been there for over 500 years. Wow. Okay. So the last episode of season two, without giving any spoilers, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, you know, go watch it for yourself. What I'm telling you is just a sliver of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally, at the end of season two, found a dry entrance to the caverns, they think. They could only go 200 feet into these caverns. And when they were down in these caverns, I shouldn't call it a cavern because it looked like a man-made cave, you know? And you got to think, 500 years ago, how did they drill? How did they... Their mining was, you know... Mm -hmm. It wasn't really a thing. They're sitting there with wooden tools or stone tools chipping at this. You know, that that uh, makes me think of some of the Phoebe, things. stop it. You're okay. Um, some structures in Egypt yes. that were. We're still questioning. Things. Yeah, like, like it looks like they were drilled into with the okay. amount of efficiency and the shape of everything. So this is what's going to blow you away. Mm-hmm. In that box, they uh-huh. pulled a couple samples of those ores out, right? Mm-hmm. You know the metal gallium, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Answer this. How did the Aztecs have access to gallium 500 years ago 
And 130 years later, that element was discovered. They had gallium drilled into these ore-enriched rocks, right? Hmm. Dumped it in there. The only way to get gallium is smelting gold, zinc, and iron. That is it. That's how you get gallium or something of that process, you know, from smelting is how you get gallium. Mm -hmm. And gallium is used in phones, solar panels, circuitry, right? Oh, that's that goes down a whole other rabbit hole, doesn't it? Yes. Answer me this, though. How were these Aztecs able to not only find the element gallium 130 years earlier, but managed to drill through ores, put the gallium in there, seal those ores, and then bury them and flood those seven caverns to protect all those treasures? There's more treasures down there. There's said to be $3 billion worth of ores and treasures down there. Wow. And the gallium that they found was only a couple hundred thousand dollars worth. And, you know, 30-pound sample of ores. Wow. Yeah. You got to think of the productivity, though. There is season one, I believe there was six to eight episodes. Season two, I know for a fact there was eight episodes. But the productivity, oh, little Miss Baby, you're getting a little rough there. The productivity at which these men, I should say, have had throughout these two seasons Mm -hmm. is remarkable. They've drilled Mm -hmm. five holes that are about 50 plus feet, Mm -hmm. you know, um they've done a lot of adventuring a lot of investigating you know and there's a lot of weird incurrences in the area too another thing with gallium Mm -hmm. is because there's so much of it in our modern electronics it interferes with our modern electronics Hmm. if it is in abundance right Mm -hmm. there's a cage down underwater in a cavern full of gallium there's a lot of equipment failures and weird things that happen huh and uh not the first time not the second time but i think the third hole they drilled uh they got a foot and a half in and then the computer on that drill rig died and they had to overnight a computer Little Miss Phoebe, you got to stay off the table because you know better. You're being persistent about it. So, um, and I have seen shows like that where they're, you know, they've got to be really, really um, innovative, yeah. you know, um, in the problems that they have to solve. A lot of it, too, is they had a, a geologist come out, which mm. studies rocks, you know, the wave the land is and stuff Mm -hmm. he was able to detect that there is multiple fault lines within the ranch and that is uh probably where these caverns are coming from is those fault lines you know um and it's just really interesting to watch uh the process at which this geologist i'm probably saying it wrong uh, I'm actually geologist is the right term because I'm thinking of a gynecologist and that's something totally different. <laughs> Just a little bit. A little bit different. Yeah. Just a little bit. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, the process at which he's trying to find these caverns just amazed me. Some of the things that he did, uh, productivity, uh, these guys, this man and his son, they want to get into there. They want to figure out what's underground, right? Mm -hmm. And this guy is like, give me one more day. That's all I need. And we will get you into one of those caverns. Mm -hmm. And he did. One more day. They drilled their hole. You know, they discovered this big opening, man-made, you know. And they couldn't tell that anything was man-made until they got down there and noticed markings on the wall, kind of like you got to think. Like inscriptions? Inscriptions? Kind of. Kind they of? did find hieroglyphics. Interesting. Uh, at one point, just on the face of rock outside of a place. They also found uh, five or six smelteries, uh, which those five or six smelteries make sense for mm -hmm. the gallium. Um, and for those who don't know, the Catholic Church burned the collective history and all the books, everything that pretty much the Aztecs had, making it extremely difficult for us to track their their history yeah. and and every you know just about everything that they had. Was yeah, this gone. is all just uh, they were going off of stories from locals, mm -hmm. you know, and they're making these discoveries where everyone's saying it's a legend. They're proving that it's not a legend. It's actual facts that actually happen. Wow. Why does the Aztecs have access to gallium 130 years before it was discovered? That is the hardest thing I am wrapping my head around. Yeah, that is that is crazy interesting. It, that reminds me of and the fact that... circuitry. Yeah. And we know the Aztecs were way advanced for their time, too. Mm -hmm. They were number one in the mining, uh, number one in quite a lot of things. They were really advanced for their time. Hmm. But I just can't wrap my head around it because there's no sign of electricity mm -hmm. 500 years ago. Why weren't they? But you got to think also, too, 500 years ago, they're probably sending a lot of slaves in there because if they hit pockets of gas... They got to be able to lose yeah. people without losing, you know, warriors and that, you know, right. workers. So they're going right. to send slaves down there that they don't care about the sacrifice. That's just how things were back then. Oh, yeah. Um, and that and you got to imagine how many lives. So each one of those markings that I was talking about when you're down mining, you don't have any idea, especially way back then, how to tell time if you're locked in a cave. Right. Mm hmm. I'm guessing that's how many deaths were in that area alone. Mm. And they didn't say anything about that. But I got to thinking about that just now, too. These markings in that cave, what they would signify. Mm -hmm. Because they just tallies, right? That's all they looked like was tally marks. Mm -hmm. There's no way to tell time when you're down in a cave. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number of deaths. Mm. Dang. You know, um, all this was kind of reminding me of the fact that so... Um, I could be a little bit wrong here, but I, Nikola Tesla was very interested in some some of the stuff that the Egyptians had. Yes. And it you, actually is said that the pyramids are giant energy-making machines. That's yes. the one theory that I absolutely love to look at. Yes, now. and I have looked into that too. Right. And that's where they're saying 
Nikola Tesla got his idea from. He wanted to bring clean, efficient energy worldwide. Um, and it's interesting, though, because as soon as he announced this and wanted to get funding for it and everything, everybody started shooting You know, down. I'm thinking about this, too. Egyptians, Aztecs, right? Uh-huh. We're talking about how pyramids were could have been big, you know, power sources. Mm-hmm. Look at Wi-Fi. We have wireless Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. What if they had wireless? Did you, this podcast turn into an entire conspiracy <laughs> theory now? What if those pyramids were wireless power sources and the Aztecs had all that gallium to make receivers for that power source? See, the one thing that I never understand about any of these theories, especially like the ones with the Egyptians saying, uh, you know, they were... Uh, big power sources and all this and that like there's no and and there's at least in my not mind proof to back anything up no like there there there's substantial there could be yeah but my my point being is let's say that they were big power source big power sources yes what were they powering like i don't see they, they like going back to the idea of the egyptians and aztecs kind of working around you know let's say the pyramids are big like Let's say internet or uh, phone towers, right? Mm -hmm. Think of it like that, but they're sending pulses of electricity out. Mm -hmm. We know gallium is used for a lot of solar panels, uh, circuitry in our phones and that, right? Mm -hmm. What if the Aztecs were mining these ores to make gallium for receivers for that power source? So, like, are you you basically, are you saying that every civil... that tower right here mm-hmm. is a pyramid. Mm-hmm. This pretty much would be a block of gallium. This is the receiver, right? Mm-hmm. So this would be the power receiver of that pyramid. I and I get that. I just I don't see any um any like there there was and I this one I could be wrong on because it was kind of controversial. There was like a hieroglyphic of like what looked to be like an airplane, and they did find some actually like wooden things that resembled like an airplane back in the thing. But beyond that, that's because that's the only thing I can think of, of things that they would use a giant power source for. Like, it's not like they had light switches and, and all that, this and that, you know? You it's like, know, that's the thing though. 500 years ago, we don't have much to go off of. You think- Besides their photos that they have painted on caves. Right. Or stuff that we find hidden or these mummies that we're digging up. Mm-hmm. You know, all the information we have is embedded in the earth. Mm. You think that uh, there was things that they were powering and they just disappeared or they were hidden? I or? think that we are thinking of the picture too big. We are thinking... They have light switches, cables running through, you know, their homes. I don't think they have that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, advanced technology for their time, but mm-hmm. it would still be Egyptian to us. Well, to my and thought. any kind of like metal, we know a lot of metals are conductive, right? Uh-huh. And we're talking about how they found gallium down there, uh-huh. you know, uh, you got to think solar panels are collecting energy 
from the sun as a form of heat, right? Mm -hmm. Converting that heat into energy. Mm -hmm. You got to think as advanced as they were, as many ores as they had access to, mm -hmm. they had to have figured that out for themselves somehow. Right. And maybe it was just in royalty mm -hmm. that uh, there might have been electricity or something, you know, within castles or something like that at the time. Mm -hmm. But I still believe that they had access to some kind of form of current or electricity or energy. I believe there was like, a, I, I think there's another thing that was found in Egypt. It was like a um, batteries that they had made up. Yes. Um, uh, that's another thing that I've heard using limestone, some salt yeah, water or something. Yeah. But uh, I, my, I was just thinking about it and it makes sense that they would have done these like, like again, if the pyramid is what's this big giant um, electric powerhouse powerhouse. Yeah. Um, that they would have done it for spiritual purposes. Right. Cause think of these, these ancient civilizations, like, like they the Aztecs, worship their God. Yeah. And they time. sacrifice children. Like the Aztecs sacrifice children to like the sun god or whoever it was, it would make sense that these things would have somehow went into a ceremony or a... Well, you got to think the Aztec, as advanced as they were, they were still not quite to our spectrum of things. Uh, when we're saying that they sacrificed children, mm -hmm. they it's actual proven fact that they did. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's because they didn't know any better, you know, um it's how they were taught you know stuff like that but i do believe wow this episode has really turned into just a <laughs> conspiracy theory you know wormhole at this point but you know what it's good um but I do believe they had some kind of power source or energy or something in the way you were talking about, you know, it would be some kind of spiritual kind of power source or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were talking about hydrographics with, you know, airplanes on it. Mm -hmm. um, one of them that I've seen looked like one of the Aztecs were holding a literal iPad at one point, you know, something like that. Too. Oh, um, I believe it was um, uh, in India. There is something that depicts what looks to be like a rocket or I could, I could be wrong on that one, but I thought I seen quite a few things and maybe they were predicting the future or something. I don't know, mm -hmm. but it is said that the earth has reset once since then, mm. you know, yeah, and uh, another thing that's worth mentioning is some of these spots, like where the Aztecs were, where the where the Egyptians were, we haven't explored all of that. No. So there's so many more places that there could be hidden things. So that these we're not... seven caverns that I'm talking about are uh -huh. stretched amongst two miles. Ooh, okay. So that's a lot of area to look. Yeah, you got to yeah. think that's probably twenty two hundred thousand square feet plus right you know that's a lot of area to have to cover in order to find these and in one chamber they found one box we know there's seven chambers what if there's different stuff in each chamber you know back in the aztec times they were looking for gold mm -hmm. iron and silver Mm -hmm. You know, those were most popular ores way back then that they would have been looking for. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they were 
they found, you know, five foundries that proved, and in that box they pulled ores that had gallium, that basically proved that the Aztecs are the actual people that found gallium, mm -hmm. not the British scientists himself. Mm. You know what? We just need to get Jeff Bezos interested enough in this to... To have him figure it, send a whole bunch He'll of money. He'll build to... a yacht underground, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He'll just build it underground, and we'll discover all this, and, and he'll keep it for himself. You know. Uh huh. And we'll we'll have to dismantle any artifacts they find, so he can get through. No, we'll just leave that <laughs> one big ass artifact underground for the next guy. Fair. Fair enough. It actually is said, and they do show that NASA is in the area or was in the area. Mm -hmm. Uh. At one point, there's an actual plaque embedded in the ground that says NASA something on it. Uh, yeah. Wow. And the locals say that there is a UFO somewhere buried out there, too. Okay. So it is really, really weird stuff going on at the mystery at the blind. Do we, uh, if we want to get into more conspiracy theories, I mean, we, we can, there's so well, let's many. just make this episode a conspiracy theory rabbit hole at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, you, you could do like a whole season just on this. Oh yeah. We probably could too. <laughs> <laughs> but so, okay. So, okay. Let's talk about NASA. Cause I was going to bring up, uh, another one, but it, I can bring that up later. Okay. But. When it comes to NASA, what do you think of all the footage that is being they, they're finding proof that is being faked of people on in the um, space station? You know, let's not talk about the space station. Okay, let's talk about the moon landing. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> there is photo evidence of comparisons of the moon landing mm -hmm. and. Spots out in Utah, right? I have seen this, yes. Going back to the Blind Frog Ranch, uh -huh. there is a plaque that says NASA out in Utah. What if somewhere around the Blind Frog Ranch is actually where they faked uh -huh. the moon landing and that spaceship they are talking about is the moon landing you know shuttle they used see i don't personally think and i know i'm jumping out of a limb here with some, for some people i don't think that the moon landing itself was faked because i've done a ton of research into this i'd never heard of this and when i first did i was like oh you know i really got to look into that everything indicates that the moon landing wasn't faked because there's a lot of like they they pointed out um, certain things about gravity. They pointed out certain things about the lighting, all of which have been debunked. Um, especially, you gotta think though, all the information we know about Saturn, Mars, Jupiter, all of them, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't stepped foot on there, but they can tell us their gravity and stuff like that. Still, yeah, they think they think they have it they absolutely think all down. They do, um, but here I think this is probably one of my biggest pieces of evidence towards the moon landing not okay. being faked. So do you remember when the, the shuttle goes down and they had those huge um, spikes? Yes. Do you know why they had those huge spikes? To stop the they thought be, they thought off. Well, actually, I was. this is what I was uh, told based on the research. They thought that because of the age of the Earth and the moon, that the moon would have feet of dust on the surface of it. Oh, and so they when they touched down, 
which is kind of dumb to begin with. So why, like, why would you send a person to somewhere you thought would be feet of dust? Because they just, you wouldn't be able to record anything. They'd just go into a pile of dust. Right. Anyways, um, beyond that, that's what I was told. They had those probe things, like whether it would act like sand or whatever. They didn't want the, the whatever it was to sink into the, the ground. Okay. Um, but anyways, when they did land, there was hardly any. There was like, you know. A real thin very, layer. Very and thin. And that's to be expected because of how little gravity is on the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have predicted that there wouldn't be much dust on the moon. Mm-hmm. And if they was, it would be a thin layer just because of how little gravity there is. Any dust particles in the area, you look at like Saturn, mm-hmm. the rings around it, those are dust particles, you know. You got to think those are because of the way its gravity field is. Mm. that's why the dust circulates over in the rings you know the gravity on the moon is not strong enough you look at earth uh we're compact of multiple layers right Mm -hmm. our crust is not very hard Mm -hmm. but it still takes some heavy equipment to bust through it Mm -hmm because of the gravity you know we're being forced down you know Mm -hmm. the moon don't have that gravity force so dust tends to float around i feel and i'm no scientist right Um, take anything of this with a grain of salt right we'll probably get canceled from this or have fbi (laughs) knocking on our door next you know too much yeah hey (laughs) what's going on here i wanted to uh so you said the earth was in in layers some people say I'm just saying what what some people say. This is a conspiracy theorist. Are you going to go on the flat Earth thing? No, okay, no. okay I'm not a, okay. I'm not a flat Earther. I don't no, neither that. am I. We we know that the Earth isn't perfectly round, no. right? But we know we know it's not flat. But my what I was going to go into was um, some people, and this was actually kind of been documented quite quite well. Some people have went to the poles, and they said there's a big giant hole when they when they came back, and they said that there, that. In some somewhere in the hole, it it appeared that there was another civilization. You know, and this is a huge rabbit hole mm-hmm. too. I mean, because quite literally, it is said <laughs> that's what Germany was actually planning for was not World War. They got distracted mm-hmm. by the World War, uh-huh. but they were planning on. Going to you know the North and South Pole. You can't fly over the North and South Pole. That yeah, is no that, fly zone, isn't right? That interesting. Yeah. Why? I feel like that not only because if you look at the way the Earth's gravitation is, the waves are going to go from each pole outward back to each pole, right? Really? Right, yeah. I can see the Earth looking something like a donut, and from our perspective, like based, a halo ring. Yes, <laughs> honestly, I can see the Earth being something like that, and that would explain why it's no fly zone because they don't want us to know that. Mm-hmm. And let's say we're looking at a donut, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're here on the outside. Mm-hmm. On the inside of the donut is where they don't want us to see. And mm-hmm. you're saying there's a possible civilization. We think of like the light side and dark side and moon. And mm-hmm. it said aliens live on the dark side and moon, you know. Mm-hmm. We we just we're blind to that side and moon. 
what if we're still blind about that portion of the Earth? What if the Earth is more of a donut shape and our satellites are only capable of showing us the cylinder or spear? Hmm. Inter- interesting concept. Definitely, definitely interesting. And I, I do, like, I don't know. I'm no scientist. Don't. Right, right. I was like, I, I don't the know. The Earth might not be a donut, but you know what? The <laughs> Simpsons, I believe. They predict everything. They, they predict they everything. It? And I believe there was an episode where Homer ate a donut that looks like the Earth. Don't quote me on that, I, but I believe I've seen something. Like I was going to say I don't watch. Uh, I don't watch them, but I do. I have seen like a lot of clips from them, and and you know they they do tend to to predict quite a quite a bit of weird stuff that goes on. What if the producer of <laughs> another conspiracy <laughs> another rabbit hole the producer of simpsons mm-hmm. was a knows resident. how to read these hieroglyphics and these egyptians mayans aztecs mm-hmm. are predicting the future for us you know we talked about a tablet we talked about planes being shown mm-hmm. what if that's future predictions right mm-hmm. And the Sam Simpsons are using those hieroglyphics to make episodes. That's that's an interesting concept. I feel like, though, honestly, I don't think you need to predict the future because you know how that that term that says if you don't learn from history, you'll you're destined to repeat it. Yeah, we're repeating it. We really we're, are. We're repeating it. And to be honest with you. How we're repeating it is going back to the schools and all the textbooks being from the 80s. Mm-hmm. You're not learning anything from the 80s besides history at that point. Right. And right. as we were talking, if you look or focus at one thing negative, mm-hmm. you're going to keep falling in that loop, right? Exactly, yeah. And yeah, that is where we are. Negative right promotes negative, and it just, it's just a cycle, loop. right? And I feel like textbooks have a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Jesus, criminy! This has been one rabbit hole of an episode. I got another one for you. Oh, why did going. NASA stop exploring the ocean? They started out exploring the ocean. I kind of heard something about this. Um. But I don't think my reason is why they stopped. Um, I do know that NASA did start by exploring the ocean uh, or even the poles. Um, Antarctica was a huge one for them at one point, too. And I think back in the 70s, it was when uh, Russia was into this discovering space you know going to the moon and stuff Mm -hmm. that's really when they changed their perspective from you know earth ocean antarctica to space Mm -hmm. and i think that had a lot to do with why they stopped focusing on looking in the ocean or oh so you think it was like in the in the time it was more prevalent to go and look into space than it was no i think the we know for a fact that Russia said, oh, we're going to try going to the moon. Right. And America said, oh, we're going to beat you too. Oh, okay. And I think 
that had That's a lot they, of sway okay. in it. You know, speaking of that, um, was it? I think it was Buzz Aldrin. He there. There's a like a famous. I want to know what you were getting at though. Why they stopped exploring the ocean? Like a lot of people have said that they, or or because this, this is a conspiracy. No, no actual proof yeah. on any of it. Um, that they supposedly found something in the ocean that made them want to leave the planet is what is what's what the the conspiracy theory is which is why i i brought that up i don't think that's true though my thing is the ocean if you ever watched you know uh I like to watch this channel. It's called the Top Ten, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. And they do a lot of like. There's you know, so many Top Ten channels now. There is, but the one that I watch in particular, they cover a lot of like uh, sea life, mm. and there's a lot of strange sea life under there that we would look at and feel like is alien entities, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of those sea life under there is enough to scare a shitless if we actually seen it mm-hmm. but if you go back and look at pangea when that was a thing all these contents together as one mm-hmm. how much water mass we had on the earth at that point mm-hmm. i can imagine that there's something huge out there uh we all heard of the luckless monster you mm-hmm. know maybe that's not a legend you know, there that makes me think of this was uh, not recent, recent, but within the past couple of years, they I believe they tagged this shark. This I think it was a great white shark. I could okay. be wrong. And um, the track run allowed them to know the temperature, the depth, all yep. this stuff. And all of a sudden, they were tracking it, and it dove to a depth that they had never seen a great white shark go to. The temperature was like way off, and everything had indicated. So they say, or or so they think, that it was eaten by something much, much, much larger than it. And hmm. obviously they, I think, I don't know if they, they found the tracker um, or, or what happened after that. But it was just interesting to see that data because all of a sudden it's just, boom, it was sucked down somehow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I know uh, the wife and I, I have a little shark necklace and she mm-hmm. has a little sea turtle necklace. Hmm. Uh, and that's because we donated to uh, one of the uh, sea life uh, companies out there. Mm-hmm. And they gave us access to see, I have access to see a shark in its coordinates where it swims and that. Oh, and she cool. has access to see a sea turtle where it swims. And the one sea turtle, you know, uh, in a matter of three months, I kept track of my uh, it was a tiger shark mm-hmm. and he was started off on the coast of uh florida mm-hmm. you know made his way up almost to maine circled down back through the gulf of mexico through the bermuda back into florida again in a hmm. matter of a couple months interesting that's a lot of travel for a shark yeah and yeah. sea turtle her sea turtle like to kind of roam around florida Mm -hmm. but at one point it did kind of look like it dipped down from florida past mexico up to the california coast and come back around 
to Florida again. Wow. Yeah. And that's a matter of a couple months span too. It's just amazing how fast the sea life can move through these waters. Right. And yeah. you think about it. I believe that some sea life can move through these waters just as fast as we can fly from one continent to the other. I okay. believe there is quite a few animals that might not be discovered yet that can do that. Oh, okay. Like uh, flying ones, swimming no, ones? No, it would be swimming. Uh -huh. But I believe you got to think, uh, how big is the great white whale? Isn't it the one of the biggest, it's like the biggest, uh, one of the biggest animals on the planet, right? It could be blue whale. The blue whale, yep. The blue whale uh, is about 100 feet, and the height can be about 16 feet. So you're thinking of a 16 feet tall, um, 100 foot long, probably, you know, uh, can weigh up to 190 kilograms. So that's probably equivalent to... 250 100,000 pounds day uh you gotta think how fast can these animals swim let's see this how fast can a blue whale... i think you'd be right if they were sailing but uh i don't know about flying that would be hmm. i ain't talking about Five miles an hour, apparently, is what they travel. But that's because they're so big, mm -hmm. you know. But you got to think, can accelerate more than 20 miles per hour for a short burst. You know, some of these smaller, more agile animals are going to be faster than this blue whale are. Mm -hmm. So let's look up what's the fastest. I am animal. curious to know that. That... Uh... Wheat. Wheat is wheat is the fastest animal. What what is the fastest swimming animal in the ocean? Black Martin. Eighty two miles an hour? What? Really? Is that faster than a cheetah? I heard a cheetah was like seventy five. I can't either. Cheetahs up to 70 mile per hour. Yeah, that... Uh, if the, well, well, that's just confusing now because it said that the fastest animal in the world was a cheetah, but then it's saying this other one is 80 miles an hour. Yeah, but I looked up what's the fastest land oh, let, animal oh, okay, I didn't, here, I didn't see that. and this is what's the fastest swimming animal. Dang, I, that that shocks me. It's got like Let's see 12 miles total. an hour faster. Let's see what this fish looks like. It almost wow. looks like a swordfish. swordfish almost. So you got to think that's aerodynamic. Um, 
there's actually a, a famous ah the Panama. It's actually a fishing thing that they do down in Florida. A movie that I watched recently on Netflix. They were fishing for this said fish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what it was called. Uh, movie. Let's see if I. Can I want to say that there's it. a falcon that's uh, faster. You think there's a falcon that's faster? Yes. Blue Miracle. And that's what they are actually fishing, doing a fishing tournament on. Uh, So Blue Miracle is a really good movie. Uh, It's a bunch of orphans that uh, join Mm -hmm. this captain that actually cheated in the competition to win a couple times. And they didn't know it at the time. And they won not out of, not from cheating. But mm-hmm. after they won from being legit, and it's actually a really good movie to watch. Wow. It's called Blue Miracle. It's based on a true story, and the fastest fish in the world is actually what they are fishing for. Dang. Yeah. You were talking about a falcon. Yes. Diving speed of 200 miles per hour. I know, because I seen a video of a bird that was flying, and the falcon hit it at about 200 miles an hour, killing it in midair. Dives up to 240. Whoa. You got to think, there's not very many cars that can go that fast <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So this episode has been more of a conspiracy theory loophole <laughs> than any productivity hack. So uh, obviously this episode, we haven't brought you very many productivity hacks because we're more conspiracy theorists, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, the best kind of advice I can give you for productivity hacks would be uh, having a set schedule. Let's mm-hmm. kind of get back off of these conspiracy theories. We can come Fair. back to it if we Fair. want to. But uh, having a set schedule helps you when it comes to productivity. You know, if you have strict schedule and you abide by it, you're going to keep working forward. And uh, when it comes to the example I gave you earlier where my coworker will put all his parts in front of him, but I will keep it in a bag in front of me, you know, Mm -hmm. it just goes to being able to think differently than someone Mm -hmm. where you can gain efficiency. Not everyone is going to have the same system as you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can tell you right now, there's a lot of stuff that I do in the fiber industry Mm -hmm that a lot of my coworkers don't do. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's more efficient for me. There is a lot of times when I am training new employees, I will tell them, you know, this is how this guy does it. This is how this guy does it. This is how I found it works better for me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they wind up adapting my way of it because, you know, if I find something, I 
tend to think out of the box. Right. So if I find something, you know, efficient enough that I'm telling someone else, it's going to be fantastic feedback to take it, you mm. know, kind of thing. Uh, not to toot my own horn a little bit there, but yeah. Right. Um, I wanted to say about productivity, um, if you, uh, like there's so many people who are struggling with procrastination. Yeah. And my my advice for pra- procrastination is, um, a lot of people. How can you nip that in the ass? I, I think. Well, here's here's one way of doing it. So let's say that I'm I'm always on my phone. Discipline. I'm always on my phone. It's a habit that I form that I'm on my phone. Yes. Everyone tries to break a habit by just putting your phone down. You end up going right back to it. Build a new habit. Don't try. Don't fight the old habit. I believe it was. Uh, there was a famous philosopher who said that. Um, that don't don't try to resist the the pain you're feeling, build something new. I think you know? James Green or James Clear had something along that I line. I was just going to bring there. up, I was just going to bring up Atomic Habits. Read that book, yes, first of definitely. all. But like, I, um, in my notes, I had habit stacking. I yep. had um, um, temptation bonding. Okay, um, go into temptation bonding a little bit here. Okay. Because that sounds like an interesting topic. Yes. Yeah, so let's say that I really want to start going to the gym. Um, I can say, oh, I'll go, I, I'll get this reward if I do this, if I start this habit. Yeah. And then I get, you know, I, I start the habit, I get the reward, start the habit, get the reward, and I can pair those things together to help me create a habit. Yep. So if you really want to be productive and say, um, write a paper, um, treat yourself to a coffee, you know, little things that you can do to pair with the habit that can get you going. Okay. I like it. I like that. So um, another thing to kind of add on to it along uh, scheduling Mm -hmm. uh, habits and stuff like that too. Uh, consistency plays a huge role mm, too. Yeah. Um, going back to talking about if we want to go, you know, more time without our phones or something within a day, not only putting another habit to counter react it, but there are devices at which you can buy that will lock your phone in there for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and that are indestructible. Mm-hmm. Well, don't tell me something's indestructible. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out some way or another. That would be a fun episode, just us destroying something that's indestructible. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be awesome. Although I want to do one of those smash rooms. That would be fun, yeah. That would be really fun. Only we would have to get uh, and be in some like private it would have land. To be, yeah. Get some guns involved, you know. Yeah, probably love- have expensive equipment that we can just destroy, get all our fidgets out then, <laughs> so we're not doing it to our actual equipment. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but I love Demolition Ranch. Yes. I, have you seen his videos? Yes. He'll shoot like just about anything. Anything. With- oh, I, I, I want to do that. Oh, I don't remember. It might be Demolition Ranch that I'm talking about, too. It was this guy, he's a comedian. Uh, He would always uh, just destroy random stuff. Uh, One day he had a line going to, you know, an iPhone. And on that line, he sparked, you know, uh, 
firework and zip down that line to destroy the iPhone or something. Oh, that's, you know, that looked cool. really fun, you know, yeah. something like that to do. Um, but it's, we're going off topic from the productivity hacks again, and that's because we're more conspiracy theorists. Like I said, this episode has been more of a if conspiracy I, than anything. If I had known we were doing that, I would have had a lot of more oh, we could resources. Go all day about conspiracies. Mm-hmm. All day and night. And actually, that's what we used to do quite a bit when we worked at Meyer together. You mm-hmm. know, we'd sit there and talk about conspiracies and how shitty our government was or something. You know? Oh, that reminds me, I don't know what You'll probably know what show it is. This uh, guy, he says, I got a joke for you. Our government is wonderful and uses our tax dollars wisely. Designated Survivor? Huh? You haven't watched that, have you? Watched what? Designated Survivor. Um, no, I don't believe so. Oh, that is a really good show. <laughs> so basically, um, you know what a Designated Survivor is? refresh my memory okay so the designated survivor is if the president dies the vice president oh becomes yeah. the designated survivor right mm-hmm. but in the show designated survivor pretty much the entire cabinet gets wiped out except for the 11th guy in line to become you know the designated survivor right Mm -hmm. becomes president this guy has no reason being the president Mm -hmm. you know and he just it fell into his lap one day because you know the entire cabinet got wiped out he had to rebuild the government right then and there he had a lot of people that were against him you know because kind of looked a little sketchy you know this that and the other stuff and there was a lot into it it's a really good show i recommend watching it Hmm. um but he had to not only come up with the vice president he had to come up with you know head of security all what is it 270 cabinet members Mm -hmm. actually what is it 200 and it's not 270 i do 74 I believe. Uh, How many cabinet members? Should get into the government so we can make insider stock trades. I'm just kidding. They don't do that. No, they don't (laughs) do that. I was just going to say, are you really trying to get into that there? I'm like, oh, it's get really. Scared. That's not a conspiracy, though. It I don't really believe that's isn't. not. A, like I've, uh, I can't. I know this. I'm, I'm saying this as I'm telling you. I can't bring up the actual evidence, but I have seen some pretty, like they bought this certain company, and then right after they bought it, something happened, and the company's stock price just went skyrocketed, and it's like. Are you serious? We got the talking about stocks. I sent you a uh, YouTube channel recently the other day, right? Uh, I don't remember what episode it was I sent you. I believe what I sent you was something on Domino's. Mm-hmm. But I watched the 10 cent episode, which I'm going to show you. Don't get me wrong. I'm kind of broke. 
I'm going to show you my actual account, but I will show you. What is that? That's not Acorns, is it? Or No, this is actual Robinhood. Oh, Robinhood, huh? Ten cent, the price of ten cent here. All right. Did you know this? So this is all time max, right? So this is back in 2004, right? Uh Uh-huh. 2008, America had the stock crash, right? After that stock crash. The housing market crash? Oh, no. All markets crashed. I'm, yeah, I guess I'm just. 2008, pretty much all markets crashed, right? Uh-huh. Look at this at 10 cent in the last year, right? In this episode, 10 cent owns a lot more than you think. Hmm. They own Epic Games, so Fortnite. You were telling me about yes. this, yes. They own a lot more than a lot of people think. Uh, let me see here. What does 10 cent own? What? does 10 did you know that there is a website to see the to uh, like view the trades and things that politicians are doing with stocks and you Hmm. can just follow them really yes i need to uh i need to get into that because they definitely have information that nobody else has phoebe's come here girl come let's see you can't be on the table no I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out what big name stuff they actually own here. Um, so I'm trying to find a good Phoebe wants to be our next co-host. I see that she is being pretty persistent <laughs> on it. Um, but Tencent owns this app that is called WeChat. It's actually right here. WeChat. Oh. Uh, and WeChat is one of those apps that has basically everything baked into it. You were telling WeChat me about that. WeChat yeah. is the one-stop shop in China for everything. Mm-hmm. You want to buy a pair of shoes. You want a DoorDash. You want to get an Uber. Mm-hmm. It does not matter. You want to send money to a friend. Mm-hmm. It's all done through WeChat, you know. Uh, and here's where it gets deep. Uh, Tencent owns Call of Duty. I was just U- looking at that. Yeah, they own a lot of stuff. Um, Ubisoft? Ubisoft, yup. Uh, Nintendo. Yeah. Whoa. Like, oh, I was... Yeah, they when, can keep that. Yeah, when I was talking about a few episodes, how uh, I have a business that's going to be here, a business mm-hmm. that's going to be here, a business that's going to be here, and then I have all these other businesses. Mm-hmm. This is what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Ten cent is the structure, the big idea for all these smaller businesses that are name brand that we actually know about. Mm-hmm. Ten cent is the one. That actually owns all of these smaller name brand stuff. I say smaller, but to us it's actually bigger. Right. right. But to the people that are oblivious of this, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot smaller than they think, you know, or bigger than they think. Hmm. You know, I can look at this and say that Tencent is the bigger company over 
Ubisoft or something, mm-hmm. but someone else is going to say, oh, no, I've never heard of Tencent before, so Ubisoft is a big business. No. Ubisoft is owned by someone else, hmm. right? Uh-huh. Who is that? It's Tencent. I Fortnite never... owned Tencent. I did not know uh, Tencent existed until, like, you had mentioned it. I... I'm assuming you have some of their their stock then. I don't you don't what no i don't own any of their stock and which is insane because 93 percent of the people actually this is not financial advice Mm -hmm. by all means i am not no stock expert don't follow me neither you're right so get that out of the air now but based on what i know of the stock market personally uh i can see here that 93 percent of people that buy 10 cent stock out of those 93 that actually buy 5% hell hold in 2% sell. What is that? So 93% of people will buy the holders are going to be people that hold it long time. Right. Okay. And the sellers are going to be the long term holders that then sell. So the 93% buy, why there's so much of a gap there between the holders and sellers is because those are people that are going to, you know, throw a million dollars in there real quick, make a 1.5 million off of it and then sell real quick. Mm. You know, that sounds like trading. Day trading is essentially what it is called. Yes. Uh, So that's what I get. Uh, Uncertainty is really high when it comes to this stock, Mm -hmm. uh, especially right now, uh, especially with a lot of the wars that are about to be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Real sketchy to do anything. Um, Tencent is one of those companies, too, that is so deeply embedded into the Japanese government that the Japanese government has control over Tencent completely. They oversee anything. Uh, If you use WeChat, any of that information, Chinese and Japanese government have access to. So if you... And TikTok, just saying. TikTok is actually... A lot better. Really? Yes. And Tencent is the sketchy one compared to TikTok. Hmm. I trust TikTok a hell of a lot more than I would trust WeChat WeChat or Hmm. Tencent. And that is because the creator of TikTok created an algorithm Mm-hmm. That is strictly based on your preferences. And that is why it grew so big so quick. Because it's able to tell efficiently what you like and keep showing you the content you like. Versus something like Tencent, uh, WeChat, mm-hmm. the Chinese government has say on what you see. Oh, okay. So, again, I would trust TikTok a hell of a lot more than I would trust WeChat or even Tencent. And if you actually look into uh, Tencent and uh, 
I believe it's actually GetBite that owns TikTok. Is it GetBite or who owns it? Who's the actual company? I'm kind of curious. Ah, uh, ByteDance. I was on the right track. So ByteDance actually owns TikTok and uh, ByteDance and Tencent are both Japanese companies, mm. but Tencent does not own ByteDance. They're direct competitors. Mm. So little information on you guys bite dance actually is the owner of tiktok so a lot of you that might be watching this on tiktok right now it's actually a japanese company called bite dance that actually uh owns the app you're scrolling on their revenue for 2022 is 85.2 billion dollars that's that's crazy where are you seeing that right on the right on the side there right here I'm being attacked by I'm looking right here, which has over Mm -hmm. 150 million American users. Right? Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to actually figure out what (laughs) that channel was I sent you the other day because it was really good channel. Hmm? No, Uh, you want kisses? I guess I was also sending you cameras. Hmm? Man, what was that channel? So, if you guys are done watching this weird podcast episode here, the uh, channel I am talking about is Magnets Media. That hurts. Um, I watched quite a few of their episodes. Um, the uh, the ten cent episode I was talking about was the secret Chinese company that owns almost everything. That is an hour 18 long. And then when it comes to ByteDance and TikTok, that episode is called The Insane Truth About TikTok. And that's 45 minutes long. Um, The episode I sent you was actually about Domino's. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact about Domino's that a lot of people don't know. Domino's Mm -hmm. originated in Ann Arbor and was called Dominic's. And the second Domino's or Dominic's to open mm-hmm. was in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. What? Yep. Really? Really. That was an interesting fact that I would have never have known. It was called Dominic's before Domino's. And the second location was in Mount Pleasant. The first location was over in Ann Arbor. And I believe to this day, Dominic's is actually still open. But the reason why it's called Domino's now is because what happened is the guy's name, uh, the guy that started, you know, Dominic's, that was his last name. He said, hey, stop using my last name. You're doing considerably better. Here's a lawsuit. Stop using my name. So they changed the name from Dominic's to Domino's. That was enough to get around that lawsuit. And that's what we know it as now. Wow, that sounds like um, there was a dispute about, I think it was 
it was Burger King or something, there was an actual restaurant aside from the fast food chain called yes. Burger King. Yeah. And um, I could be wrong, but I heard that the courts had said that they can have that as their name as long as that's the only place that they are yes. at. So, so there is a thing in Michigan. Um, your So when you're registering a business, you, there can be another, let's use EC Beta Solutions, for example, because there is another EC Beta Solutions in the United States that has nothing to do with IT work. Mm. So the company here in Michigan is IT called EC Beta Solutions. That is my own business. But there is also another I, uh, another EC Beta Solutions. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where at. I want to say Indiana, and they are an attorney office. Mm-hmm. I actually called them and asked them if I can use the name before I registered my business. And the reason why I did that is because I knew they were an attorney office. I wanted the damn name. Mm-hmm. They're like, you don't reside in Michigan. We don't have any facilities in Michigan. You're legal. Wow. So there can be different or same names in different states. Uh-huh. But here's the interesting part. When you apply for a license in Michigan for your business, the EIN number that you get for your Michigan license is the same number that you're going to get federally Hmm. and vice versa. It's weird too. And these numbers that I'm talking about is basically when you start a business, it's like another entity. You can think of it as another human. When you register a business, you're going to get EIN number. You can think of that as your business's social security number. Hmm. So, uh, there, little business information for you. I was just gonna say, getting some business education yeah. here. Um, but yeah, I would definitely look into the Magnets Media because it's really good. Another episode that I watched is, uh, why did Starbucks really become so powerful? Hmm. Or something like that. I don't think it was because powerful of, because of popular. Uh, sorry. Um, white white women, <laughs> white no, college girls. It wasn't because it was of them. a male that actually started Starbucks, and it, it was because Don't he went over to uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> cancel culture! <laughs> They're gonna cancel us. Damn it. Anyway, uh, he went over to Italy and seen that there was a lot of like coffee cafes, and he's like, "There ain't anything like this in you know oh, United like franchised. States." Yes, and he's like. I'm going to be the one to bring it to the United States. Hmm. So that's where Starbucks came from. Interesting. Yeah. So another thing, you know, I am one of those guys that I I become a magnet for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Another reason why I was so intrigued by the Flying Frog Ranch is because they kept me not only on my seat, kept me anxious, mm-hmm. but I also learned quite a bit from the show too myself. Okay. Uh, about not only the Aztecs, uh, some of these, uh, how to look at certain parts of, you know, the earth to determine certain things and stuff. I'm always looking for a lesson or knowledge and everything. And a lot of the YouTube videos that I watch, let's look at my history here. 
there ain't really no miscellaneous, you know, bullshit. This is all educational. Everything. Wow. The only bullshit you can see here, really, and sorry, it's going to be this is, and that's Austin Evans. But I love the guy dearly. Uh, he does a lot of tech stuff. Oh, him. Yeah, I've seen him before. And Austin's amazing. But aside from that, maybe a couple Mr. Beast episodes in there, you know. Uh, but I watch mainly I was going to make a, a joke that i seen some some really raunchy thing in there but you're sitting here reading my history jacob anything dirty in there (laughs) (laughs) it's just youtube history which you can find some pretty graphic stuff on youtube uh and i've been seeing it a lot lately on instagram like people getting hit by cars and i'm not talking that graphic i'm talking pornographic oh (laughs) you yeah and there's actually interesting story about that and i don't want to get into it but um the only reason why I know you can find some pornography on YouTube is because I used to work for the behavioral schools and one of the students found some on YouTube somehow. Yeah. I feel like that um, it, some platforms, like because of the sheer volume of videos that they'll get uploaded to them. It's hard to block everything. Right. Well, it, and, or it takes the whatever, whatever they have working on, on deleting the, the bad stuff it takes them a minute to well, get to it. Well, if you think about it, you hear a lot of YouTubers will say, oh, you can't swear in the first 30 seconds of your video. Otherwise, you'll get demonetized. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's because the algorithm only works at or looks at the first 30 seconds. Really? Mm-hmm. Unless you report it or? Yeah. Hmm. It takes after the first 30 seconds, it takes a report for that video to be taken down. Hmm. Unless they get a significant enough, you know, kind of spike in the algorithm, Mm -hmm. then they'll send, you know, a more thorough algorithm at that video to figure out what's going on at that point. Hmm. But there's steps to the algorithm. Um, When it comes to me uploading the podcast, Mm -hmm. especially on YouTube, it will ask if, this is a kid's video yeah, for yeah. kids, and it will also ask if it's explicit. It's because of the algorithm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been an off-topic episode. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, uh, for next, what are, what are we doing next? Next, next episode here, is let's roll. load Inspiring You for Success back up. It's so going to be episode nine, and it's the art of networking and building oh. relationships, exploring mm. strategies to build meaningful connections, expand your network, and leverage relationships for success. Um, Next episode, I am actually going to try coming up with a couple of questions that I can hop on Facebook and ask because I like getting the Facebook into uh, mm-hmm. Intel back. Okay. Um, stuff like that that will introduce more into the podcast too. Uh, I apologize. This episode has been more of a rabbit hole conspiracy theory episode <laughs> versus uh, productivity hacks. But uh I still oh. feel like it was a really good episode. Indeed, yeah. I, You're owing. What are you owing here? Um, there's some interesting things on 
10 and 11 that I'm excited for nurturing your well-being and uh, the power of visualization. Oh, oh those ones. yeah. Because I was going to say you this list too. To yeah, I do. Too, so I do have to look ahead too. Um, the next one though is something that I personally need to work on. Finding, balancing, nurturing your well-being. No, 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 no. The um. Oh, the art network. of networking and yes, building networking. relationships. I used to be really good at it, but lately I haven't been. You know, and there's different standpoints when it comes to networking too. Mm -hmm. Um. I find when I'm networking, uh, I would network with different type of business owners, right? Uh, and when it comes to different types of service providers or small businesses, I network mm -hmm. a little bit different depending mm -hmm. on what it is. And, ooh, we'll a little get tidbit into for that. the next one. Yeah, exactly. A little tidbit for the next one here. Uh, especially because I know your camera is actually about to cut our episode here <laughs> and continue where we left off and I'd rather keep it in one episode. But uh, there is quite a difference between networking with a service provider, mm -hmm. networking with a small business, or networking with a product person, someone that makes products. Hmm. And we'll get into that a little bit next week on the next episode sweet all right so uh let's end this here this has been inspiring you for success the conspiracy theory episode we're not <laughs> even going to call it productivity hacks for success anymore it's just going to be the conspiracy theory and episode we, at this point and we threw in a few extra bonus uh things a, about a tidbit information yeah. you know that you can actually utilize but the rest of it's just miscellaneous bullshit <laughs> So I have been Gabriel Isles. This has been Jacob. And this has also been inspiring you for success. You guys have a nice one. Peace. As we conclude another insightful episode of Inspiring You for Success, we hope you've gleaned wisdom and inspiration to fuel your journey toward personal and professional growth. The world of AI and technology is a vast landscape of possibilities, and we're here to explore it with you. If you found value in our discussions, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform. Share this podcast with those who share your aspirations, for together, we can uplift and inspire. Join us in our next episode as we delve deeper into the realms of personal development and success, guided by the ever-expanding horizons of AI technology. Until then, remember that with AI, your journey transforms into an odyssey of possibilities. Stay inspired, stay motivated, and let's continue unlocking that extraordinary potential within you.